Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. This week's podcast comes to us through the Year of the Stage Manager Instagram takeover that I did about a month ago. I asked if anybody was interested in being on a podcast, and I got quite a few interests. So this one, or this week, is Alessio Pico, who's an Italian-born opera stage manager who also has experience in orchestra management, technical and production directing. Uh, He was studying music theory, oboe, and piano, I believe, in school. He speaks multiple languages, which is a huge plus for working in opera and totally has a leg up on the rest of us who do not speak all those languages. Uh, He's worked all over Italy. I'm not going to try to pronounce all the names of the companies because even though I've been taking Italian, it's not working well for me. Uh, Has done some shows in Birmingham, England, and was recently hired as a stage manager at Dubai Opera, which unfortunately... He got there right when the shutdown was happening, I believe. So hasn't hasn't done too much over there yet. Well, but, he's been doing plenty, just not in opera. Just not stage managing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So welcome to our podcast this week. You are our first Italian, uh, which is super awesome. So yeah, I'm we're excited. excited to learn about you. So uh, thank you for asking me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be so much fun. So tell us. Okay, well, first tell us, how did you get into opera stage management and production technical direction stuff if you went to school to study oboe and piano? Well, actually, I was in school studying conservatory, studying oboe. And yeah, that was for my main instrument. And then suddenly, the one of my teacher of uh, music uh directing, conducting, and other related um, things about music and theatres was the CEO of the theatre in my hometown, which is Como, north part of Italy. And yeah, so he actually asked me uh, if I wanted to join the staff as an orchestra manager. They were opening a new orchestra. So because I was not feeling that I was doing a great job as a musician. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah <laughs> and so, yeah, I said, well, why not? I tried. It was a six-month um, contract. And then I fell in love of theater and operas. And that's it, actually. We, we don't have a proper school in Italy for stage management. Mm-hmm. We do have an academy in Teatro La Scala that gives some part of the job as a management and stage management but we don't have a university or college for stage management so everything that I've learned I've learned it on books on my own or on the field on Mm -hmm. stage just doing it (laughs) I feel that's the best way to do it (laughs) yeah that's pretty much how I did it so I've heard a lot from my Italian and orchestra friends that stage management in Italy is very different than the United States. Can you tell us what do you do as a stage manager over there, especially in opera? What are some of your responsibilities and job description? <laughs> yeah, it is different. Well, I've never worked in in US, so I'm not sure about Right, you everything. can't really compare the two. Yeah, but... No, exactly. But yeah, mainly 
well, the name is, the name of the job is Direzione di Scena. So, as director of the scenery, <laughs> something like that, I will translate it like that. Yeah. So, and it doesn't mean anything in, in English, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, our job is different because we do also have different uh, colleagues to help us. So, we don't have assistant stage managers. We don't have like only one caller. Uh, we have different people doing different jobs. For example, we have the um, repetitors that are doing part of the call. Hmm. So, for example, we have one uh, maestro collaboratore, which is um, uh, collaborating something, <laughs> and yeah. which is in charge of the lights queue, the lighting queues. Uh, one is mainly for subtitles. Then uh-huh. we have like at least a couple on stage, one on left sa- left side and one on the right side. And they are giving cues for the entrances. And then we have in a big, big op- opera houses, we also have um, a specific maestro for the technical movements. Hmm. So our job is more to coordinate, it's more about coordinate everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, calling the artist, of course, that is the main duty. And and then is to check everything. So it's not a standing job, it's more walking around and check if everything is going smoothly and that's... Um, the other part is when something happen, happens, we have to take the control. So, well, this is also part of your duties, I think, right? So yes, yeah. We know the show and uh, we have to take decisions and everyone is coming to us and ask, what shall we do now? <laughs> yeah. So... This is mainly in big opera houses. So when we have like a lot of people helping us, everyone is, you know, there are teams of proper uh, props. Yeah, the, par- the props yeah. department has a proper team. And then, yeah, we have the crew and lighting and blah, blah, blah. Um, but when you go in small theater and small productions, then probably you don't have so many colleagues, <laughs> so many people around you. So... When I, where I started, when I, uh, where I uh, learned the job, I was actually alone with one person on the lighting desk, helping, you know, giving the cues and, and everything was under my control on stage, even left side and right side. So I, <laughs> yeah, it was not that easy. But, <laughs> yeah, I was know, like, how do you cue both sides at the same time? But yeah, well, you know, yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't easy. Absolutely not. <laughs> but, but this was with a um, small productions. Mm-hmm. When we had like bigger productions, like for example, we had Graham Vick doing a Don Giovanni it was an amazing show. And then I had another uh, like assistant, but it's called Maestro Collaboratore, was giving the cues from that side. So usually when you have only one person on the other side, we decide to split the cues, even the technical. So mm-hmm. if I am on the right side, I take all the cues for the entrances and the technicals and the left side 
is doing the same. So that's pretty much how course, how we do it here. Is whoever this the assistant stage manager on the right side cues the singers and all the technical scene changes and stuff, more or less. Yeah. So yeah, but they're also being told well. Through the the stage, yeah, the stage, the manager, stage yeah. manager tells them when the technical cues go. They take the actor cues on their own, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. So huh. that is Opera's Opera's a little crazy. Yeah, there's a lot going on <laughs> in Opera. But you don't. You so don't actually do the light cues then you just have somebody who's designated to do light cues by yeah, his on the desk he's watching the show from there i think it's basically because it's a very old very old system you know mm. sometimes when i go to some small theater and i say can i have the comms mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we are here can you just give us the the, the, the cue because you know you don't have a little well, we do have in big operas, but in a small cities, we do have a small theater, very old, so it's still with ropes, and everything is working like on stage. Not no one is on the is on the catwalk, so everything happens there. So they don't need comps, right? Yeah. So hmm. that is, I think, I guess this is my opinion because what I felt. And I'm feeling when I'm going to small theater is, okay, let's just do it how you did it for 200 yes. years, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why <laughs> should we change it? So I would feel so weird of... not having the headset comms trying to run a well, show. Well, like you said, though, they've, you know, they've been running it this way forever. Yeah. And it's worked. So why change it? Yeah. Well, we do shout. <laughs> we have gestures, <laughs> <have> right? <laughs> We're Italian. We do. We find our way. <laughs> Shouting and hand gestures. Yeah, that does feel very Italian. <laughs> Are there oh, then in the smaller houses? Well, I guess altogether, do you guys do a lot of traditional shows? Or if you go to their smaller houses, is it like a production that they've been doing for years and years and years? So they just kind of know what they're doing? Or do you have a mix of that and a lot of new productions where you're kind of learning the show? Okay, this is based on on low. Like the small theaters, they have to do new productions to get more money from the government. Oh, interesting. So more production they do, more new productions they do, it's better for, you know, for the government, funds and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go, I work for the Arena di Verona. Uh, you, I don't know if you know the venue. It's like huge Roman uh, arena. It's like 15,000 uh, people in the audience. And wow, I worked for an AIDA that it uh-huh. was... 105 years old. Wow. So <laughs> probably most close to the <laughs> composer. Yeah. <here. laughs> right. No, wow. That was 200. But still, it was very whole production. And the technician, they, they just do what they know. I mean, it's 100 years they do the same production every mm-hmm. two years. So mm-hmm. easier for them than hearing someone listen someone that is giving their the cues and you know right 
That's so interesting. That's so cool, though. 105 years. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, but can well, you imagine, like... that exciting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but out here, we don't... Like, our theaters aren't even barely that... Like, our country's only 200-something years old, so... <laughs> you guys have been right. doing the same show there for half of our country's life. <laughs> it, that is kind of co- amazing, though. Yeah. And that's, like, the size of a, a football stadium. Like, that's a lot of audience, so it's... Yeah, it's, it's huge. That's yeah. really, really cool. We like don't even really have this. When it's when it's completely sold out, that is amazing. You can you can feel it. Yeah. It's sold out. So I was doing um, a concert with Placido Domingo, and mm-hmm. so there was a, a small movement of the set. So then I went on the stage because we don't have, of course, the the curtains. The, the, yeah. The, the curtains. So everything is open air. So I went on the stage, checked all the last things, and it was and it was me and another guy from the crew, and I said, "Look, we have twenty eight thousand eyes looking at us, <laughs> so don't do anything stupid now." <laughs> no, <laughs> I said, "No, no, no." Oh my gosh, yeah. that's intimidating. Yeah, I don't was. even like going on stage with like two hundred people watching me. I'd go behind <laughs> curtains. I yeah, uh, I, I I feel terrible in that way. No, no, absolutely. But you know, someone had to do it. Yeah. And and yeah, when I raised my eyes, I said, "Whoa, that's me." <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the singers, the actors, the dancers, how they can survive that pressure. It's wow, yeah. it was huge. Especially to sing a role, like you're going there to check scenery and props, you know, and they're standing out there for Aida three, three and a half hours singing, which is, that's crazy. So they all pretty much, it's the exact same show. So they all know all of the stuff, all of their blocking and stuff as well. Correct? Yeah, they know everything. They, huh. It's just, they they call it um, historical memory. So when they, when we do, when they do, they... Um, the rehearsal before the premiere, they just do three days of rehearsal. That's it. For a huge Aida. You, know, you can imagine like 120 extras. Oh. 100, 100 something chorus, chorus members. Oh my gosh. 20 horses. Like, <laughs> 20 huge. horses? Well, yeah. it's Aida. And There's a whole like procession. It, yeah. And they do it with free rehearsals. And they wow. call it historical memorial. Uh, memory, sorry. <laughs> and so they they just get on the stage and they do what they know to do. That's yeah. it. Yeah, well, you said they do it every two years. Yeah, almost. Well, that Aida, I'm not sure now because Zeffirelli has died, and they have mm. like a huge Aida on Zeffirelli, so probably they're gonna do it more often now. So, but yes, that one that I've done it was kind of every two years, and yeah, all the chorus members and the extras. They are all the same. The technicians are the same. So they know everything. Even the horses are all the I was same. Say, the horses know exactly <laughs> what they're doing as well. They know they're blocking and when their costume changes are. It's impressive. <laughs> no, it's crazy. When I was working with horses, I was very scared. I was, I was saying, well, come on, guys. How can you... I mean, it's scary, right? Sometimes we were yeah. doing an abuco, you know, with canoons and, you know, mm-hmm. like flashing and everything. And I said... 
is not scary for them? They said, no, it's not. And actually, I could see that they understand the music. I mean, not not proper the music, but they can, they have, they had a, like a big exit at the end of the, the overture. And they, they understood when they had to go out. I don't know how, but they just felt it probably. I don't know. I mean, you, you train, you could train horses to, you know, in, in battle to do different things and train them to, I don't know, take control from, you know, just a little bit movements of your legs and arms. So I guess it makes sense that you could train them to hear the music and probably take it was their own exit. Everyone can feel when an overture is ending, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people that never heard them opera music, but they can't understand that it's ending. That also is probably. That is so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I've worked with a dog once or twice on stage, but definitely no horses or anything like that. Well, we have well, very few. Of, yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would assume. Well, and much bigger. Yeah. Uh, a stage manager friend was telling me, I, I think it was, um, what's the, the Western one that we have out here? Um, but it calls for a horse and they did it with a horse. And they said every time right before the horse's entrance, he would poop backstage. Like every single show, it was like he knew that his entrance was coming up and then he would poop and then he would go on stage. <laughs> I was like, so, oh, yeah, he, he knew on stage. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, you know, that was his his prep for it was, OK, yeah. now we're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine doing opera like that here. That's something that, you know, I learned about in school especially in Italy and, and Roman times, you know, doing these gigantic performances, which just don't exist in the United States. That's, that must be amazing to work on. Yeah. So I've always wanted to go see one of Wagner's pieces like in Bayreuth and like, it just, it's just, massive. We just don't have that. Even LA opera here is the biggest I've gone to and half the time they don't have scene changes. And I was like, Oh, I'm so excited Wagner. And then they stood on stage the whole time and they didn't even have a real big dragon prop. And I was like, Dang it. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Where are my 22 horses? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you also have experience as, I, I forget how you worded it, technical director director or production director? Is it, well, in theater I was technical director. Okay. Well, I didn't, probably is the correct translation. I'm not but, sure. Yep, That's we okay. have my, technical director. I don't know. And yeah, that was one year. Uh, it was good. I, I had fun actually. I did. I, I really like it, but I felt I was too young to do it. Like I mm. tried. I had to study a lot, uh, working with cards, you know, and a different level of relationship with the crew, with the set designer, and everything. And I felt I need more time. I need more experience to handle everything. You know, it's not mm. only a matter of know the you know the materials or know how to draw something. It's not only a matter of know how to do it. It's just how to speak with people, how to get the job done. And, yeah. And I don't know, stage manager is it's my life. I, I really like <laughs> my job. Why should I change? Come on. No, I mean. I have enough pressure, right? You yeah. Have, right? And why should... I don't know. It's a different pressure. It's an office. It's different. It's not live. 
and for some reason I felt I missed the the light, you know, the that that feeling that you have when you open a curtain that yes. is different. Yeah. And it's something that I I missed and I said no, I want to do a stage manager and that's it. So I yeah, from that point I tried to do something more international which was my goal moving from that kind of theater so a small town and I tried to move to I moved to Germany actually I tried to do something there but it was not that easy because of the language so yeah and in the meantime I was still working in Italy so it was not that easy to learn the language and find a job but still working in Italy did you so, know German before you went over there? No, my wife was living there, so I joined her. She was she was working in a university in Leipzig and I just knew some words. But in Germany you can survive everywhere with English. So yeah, that's exactly. also another problem. If you want to learn a language you don't you don't need to speak another language. So you shouldn't speak another language at least. I've actually heard that quite a bit from people who moved to Germany and they're excited to learn German and then everyone speaks English and they're like, no, I want to learn German. Stop speaking to me in English. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it is. It is difficult, even because they are polite and they don't want to, they don't want you to be in pressure and feel you have to speak German. So they know English and it's easy for you. So uh, it was, it was difficult to learn the language. So then when actually my wife moved to Saudi Arabia, so I said, let's go for Middle East and see what I can find, and that's it. Wow, your wife jumps all over the place. We're trying to get all over the place. <laughs> not <laughs> to at the moment. We're thinking to move the U.S., but not yet. yet. No, 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 I Don't would stay where you right are now. for a few yeah. <laughs> a year or two. We're pretty useless out here yeah. right now, so. Actually, Middle East is pretty exciting. Because, well, so I was in Saudi Arabia for one year. I just moved to in Emirates, uh, like in March, and I still don't understand Dubai. So I'm not sure if I like it. And I do like it, but I'm not sure if I have the same feeling because Saudi was opening like in the last few months, like mm. the last two years. So everything for them is new. So, for mm-hmm. example, I I could bring um, an opera concert. Let's yeah, I was like a show. There was an actor with two singers and a pianist, and people there were crazy. They they never heard music like that. So then, oh, with Italian concert, we could bring the concert in the middle of Jeddah, which is a very old city with. All the Muslims goes there for the pilgrims, you know, for Mecca. Mm-hmm. So it's it's far from Europe. It's very far from our culture, and Saudis were excited about. It. So it was was very very nice, actually, very powerful. So I have this feeling in the Middle East that they want to know. It's difficult to get them <laughs> to give them to give them everything, but. When they can get it, they are excited. So it is it's, nice. It, it is cool to be. 
Yeah, that has to be so different because like you were just saying in Italy, they've done the same show for 105 years. And then you move to Saudi Arabia where they've not this generation and a generation or two before have not even heard this music. Like their reaction must be so they're not expecting anything. It's all new and different. Well, the thing is, they have social networks and they have YouTube. So at Mm. least they can get something before to see a show. So, for example, I went to uh, Brian Adams' concert. And and then after him, there was a DJ set. Don't ask me the name. It was someone famous, but I have no clue. (laughs) Yeah, we wouldn't know either. While Brian Adams was playing and singing, some guys came to me and asked me, is that the DJ? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not DJ. He's playing guitar. He's singing. Not DJ. So, that's, you know, that's the difference. They, they have to, un- they, they still have to learn a lot of things. But in the other hand, they are not scared to learn. So they are very, you know, open. Yeah. yeah, open. Exactly. So they get everything. They are curious and they go around and see everything. Probably they also get bored in five minutes, but still <laughs> they at least come, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Did, did you learn a lot while you're over there as well? Because it's such a different culture. Like, were you able to take in a lot of their culture and education? Uh, no, not really. Only one year. And, and I was living in a compound of mm-hmm. a university, which... Mm-hmm which is like 7,000 people from 110 countries. So I've met many Saudis, but the Saudis, will they, they live there. They are different. They just, you know, they are already opened and everything. So right. it's, it's probably if I could live in Jeddah, in the city, probably that would be very different. Right, because so you get a whole nother experience. Could, yeah, exactly. But living in a compound is was kind of a being in Europe, something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. with less theater. But yes. <laughs> so, what is it like in Dubai? Are you in a compound there, or? No, no, no. I'm living uh, close to the beach, which is amazing for me. I love it. And well, at the moment, everything is shut down. So, <laughs> not sure what can I tell you. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. true. The only two weeks that I worked. <laughs> it's it's everything is about it, entertainment so there is no cultural behind the theaters here so it's different than Oman for example Oman have has a very beautiful uh, opera house and I worked I worked there for two weeks for a small production and they are investing a lot in cultural so they are bringing kids and family. They're trying to give them all the information to understand an opera. Here is more pop concerts, events, and sometimes operas, but always the same, like Traviata or Mm, or very very famous. And I have the feeling that most of the audience is expats. So people from Western country, Europe, that have you know they want to go to the theater or even even arabs people but they just do it because it's 
pool. You know, it's not because they want to learn something. Mm-hmm. And and I think all Dubai is based on entertaining people. So it's it's more for the tourism. And it makes sense. It's just a totally different thing. And they are doing like crazy shows. Like they have everything here. They have Formula One. They have all the best pop concerts. The, the best shows now there is there should be expo but they're postponing for one year um, in one year and um, yeah they, they have everything right because they have a lot of money there right because of all the a lot like a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i've heard it's just all about big showy fancy over like kind of like las Three vegas and- like it's just an entire spectacle city it is. It is beautiful. It has its own magic and somehow is you can you can feel the Arabs uh, history but you have to go deep and deep to find it. You know what I mean? So there are there is a part of the culture of Arabs for sure is showing what they have. You know? And in this case is money and power. So there is a reason if the tallest building is in Dubai. Tallest yeah. building in the world, it's in Dubai. It's mm-hmm. showing that they can. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if in any other country you can Uber a chocolate. <laughs> wow. If I Uber on my phone, I can also select chopper. <laughs> wow. Because an helicopter can come in my place, pick me up and bring me to the house. <laughs> that is... I never so even awesome. thought about that. Yeah, that definitely does not exist uh, in my world. <laughs> I wonder they if there's places that you place... can do like boats too. Maybe. That'd be pretty awesome. That's Probably. so funny. Oh, see, different worlds. <laughs> that is completely different. But that's, yeah, that's amazing. How so are did you... you get the job there? Yeah. I was like, did you move to Dubai or are you just there for a contract or how is that working? So, well, it was, it is a long time that I'm trying to get a job in the Middle East. Before to move to Germany, I was already trying to get a job here. So basically there are only two opera houses in all the Middle East, like operatic as opera houses. One is in Oman, one is where I'm working. And uh, so, yeah, when I went to Saudis, I sent a lot of emails and everything saying, hey, I'm here. You need a stage manager. I'm sure you don't find anyone else in right. five thousand kilometers, right? <laughs> right. And actually, that that is true. I mean, in Saudis, they don't even have a stage manager because they don't have a theater. They don't have a theater, so they don't have a stage manager. Probably, I was the the only one in the whole country, but that's it. So yeah. that's good bragging uh, rights as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I probably so, have ten just in my neighborhood. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, right? So, yeah, when I, they were opening a position in December. So, yeah, I sent the email and then the CV and then they got me, they give me, they gave me one, a six month probation. So I'm still in a probation period. I'm not working. So, <laughs> so you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing, but I shouldn't, but it's okay. <laughs> at this and, point yeah then and there will be a permanent contract 
Where's your wife at right now? Is she going to join you out in Dubai or is she somewhere else? She's in Saudi. So we're only two hours flight uh, away. She's going to stay there for a couple of years and then we'll see. I mean, as far as I'm still in probation, so we're not taking any decision Mm -hmm. and probably taking any decision in in the next year. So we'll see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two hours isn't bad. No, exactly. If the airport is open, actually. Yes. And I was not. So more than two hours. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. But Does she do theater or she does something else? No, she's a chemist. She's outside of the our world and that's perfect. Yes. Yes. Both of us married outside of our world too. It's much easier. I think some people, we have friends who are both married and in theater, but. Well, I feel when I was in in that campus, it was full of nerds. Can I say nerds? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're good with that. Scientists and everything. I've met a lot of people, a lot of scientists. They were, their partner was part of the arts, like artists or musician or somehow connected to arts. And I have the feeling that our um, our jobs is somehow the same. So we're doing well. They are saving lives. It's okay. <laughs> we, are, we are not. I don't tell them. <laughs> so, but somehow we we love our jobs, right? It's mm-hmm. it's something that takes us a lot of hours, a lot of energies, weekends, evenings, and for them it's the same. I mean, researchers are working every single day for 8, 10, 12 hours, and they put a lot of efforts and energy, and it's like us, right? I mean, and I guess, I mean, that's why we can understand each other, probably. Yeah. That's cool. never thought about it that way. Well, especially researchers, yeah. They're saving lives. We're trying to ease people's lives. By making music and art. Hmm. They just managed to save them. (laughs) Yeah. We just just let them escape for a couple hours. Well, sometimes we also save people, right? From the technicians or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it works there, but in Italy it's kind of scary sometimes. (laughs) Yes, you're right. Um, I do feel like there's a number of times I've saved people's lives on stage. So yeah, yep, I agree with yep. you. <laughs> Curtains coming down on their heads or being run over by a set piece. Okay, I can see that. <laughs> That's really funny. You, So you did a few shows in England as well, right? In in Birmingham? Yeah. That was... What was that, that like? Was some, that was something. So everything started the year before. Uh, I... I've met Graham Vick, and I don't know if you know him, but it's like in Europe is like one of the five best director in opera houses. So he works everywhere in Covent Garden and at the Met and Teatro Scala everywhere. And so I've met him. We did a show together and I told him Maestro, because I call him Maestro. Mm-hmm. I would like to do something more international and do you have any you know jobs and everything 
And he told me, well, in two months, we're going to start a new production at the Birmingham Opera Company. And if you want to join, we need a, a deputy stage manager, so a caller. But you have to learn English. And you have only two months. Okay. <laughs> I can handle it. So no, did, you know, you didn't, did you know English before that? Not really. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, I could say something. I could survive, but not, not handling, you know, not calling a show, which yeah. is kind of different. Especially when one part of the crew is from Scotland. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you had to get their accent. Yeah. Wow. And that was not easy at all. So basically, the Birmingham Opera Company is a social project. And they do every year a different project, um, bringing uh, professional singers, a professional team of you know crew, stage management, and lighting designer and everything. Graham Vick, which is the art director, is also the director of the opera. And, and then they bring all the people, all the volunteers from the community, from Birmingham, to do chorus and extras. So they select, they don't select people. They just take people from the street, from the street. I swear it's from the street. So there are people (laughs) that are coming to the rehearsals just because they refund the tickets of the bus. Interesting. Yeah. It is also homeless, you know, and, and it was amazing, like very powerful. They don't, they don't know the opera world. So Uh you can, you can find people on the street and you tell them, I give you five pounds, you come to the every day to the rehearsal and then you go naked on the on the stage and you say, Yeah, of course. So <laughs> they can do everything with that. There are no rules. And it's right. there's no union. People. Well it's not only the union, it's also about to be in the opera, you know? You are in the opera house. You don't go with your pants on stage because it's not I mean in Italy it's kind of very as I told you I mean we still have productions that are century back you know so we still have that kind of concept so very traditional and in that in that productions they they do whatever they want and mm-hmm. it's it's very powerful actually because you see people actually the second production I've done with them uh, we also had refugees they wow. didn't know anything about opera, and they were working with one of the best direction, direct opera director in the world, and they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just know, another it's guy like, to them. It's like working with Tarantino, and you know who's Tarantino, right? I mean, right. how can you do it? And they didn't know, and it was it was something. It was really something. And then you see them singing, and you should see a chorus master. He's amazing. I don't know how he can handle it because they don't read music. Mm-hmm. And both of the time I've done something very... So I've done one opera of Michael Tippett that I didn't know before. as a British um, composer. The, the opera is um, Icebreak, which is uh, from 1975. So pretty, pretty, pretty new, new yeah. yeah, Pretty contemporary. And then the second one was a world premiere. So it was a contemporary music. And the chorusmeister could teach four different, uh, sometimes even eight 
different voices to people that don't even read music. That wow. was working with someone that was another level. Yeah. So, um, and at the end of this, the opera is not in the opera house. So it's uh, in, well, that both of them were in a, in an old factory. So I dismissed one. So we had no stage. We had no orchestra pit, no seats, and mm-hmm. no heating system, actually. <laughs> it was February. <laughs> oh, no. Not, a, not easy with a singer. Absolutely not easy with that. No. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And the first, I remember the, the general, the, yeah, the, the last dress rehearsal that I've done, uh, the stage manager desk was inside the orchestra pit, which was just an area. Mm-hmm. So I was inside of the percussion section with two comps and people speaking me, talking me in another language and with contemporary music was very scary for me. So the dress rehearsal, I said, no, I cannot do it. But at the end, I did it. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. No, and that was, were... it's something that changed some, yeah, it changed something in me because I remember I said, well, I, if I can do that, I shouldn't be scary for anything else. Scary right. for anything else. Right. You could do anything after that. Well, not I can't imagine. Well, <laughs> a lot of things. I couldn't imagine somebody being like, you need to learn Italian in two months. I mean, I guess if someone said, I'm giving you a contract in Italy, learn Italian, then I'm going to sit here for eight hours a day and learn Italian. But even like Northern Italian and Southern Italian have different accents. Like that would just scare me. Like you said, the Scottish versus English is, is, I mean, sometimes I can't even understand a Scottish accent, you know, and I, I was born and raised speaking English. So that's really intimidating. And then to do a new work on top of that is, I think, even more intimidating because, you know, if it was like a bohem, something that you know really well, you okay, know, you would... I couldn't even study. I mean, the last production we've done, the fifth act arrived like four days before the, <laughs> the dress rehearsal. Right. So we just knew the plot. Wow. Right? So you can't even sit there with like a CD and and then a book and and memorize it. Wow. Yeah, you are amazing if you could do something like that. That is is scary. I mean, they're doing every year. (laughs) I I, I said, well, guys, this is enough for me. No, I didn't say that. I mean, I would go now to work with them. Absolutely. Unfortunately, they do only one show per year. And actually, in the last few years, they are doing one it one every two years. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, but they did a lot of amazing thing for the. I don't remember when was the Olympic Games in London. Mm-hmm. They have done the Stockhausen Opera, the one with the four helicopters. So they had actually four wow. helicopters. Wow! Outside the area doing that of that's crazy yeah that was something I, i've seen some recording it was amazing i had to look that up i know yeah, i want to go to birmingham now because this totally yeah. sounds like my kind of stuff but but scary. yeah well that that kind of opera is it's something it's it's something it's touching actually my wife came to both of the productions and because because the audience is not seated on, on the stalls, so 
they they just move around the show. So the show is designed to have people walking around and see different stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like stages, just different corners. And um, many extras are uh, dressed as the normal people. So when you when the show starts, you don't know people around you if are on the show there are audience like you yeah and she told me it was amazing because and she came for two or three shows i don't remember and she told me i've seen three different shows like three different things because you can't focus on everything so yeah but like if you walk in a different place or a different order at a different time you see something completely exactly. different that's awesome. I've only done one show and it was very, very small compared to that, you know, but people were allowed to get up and walk around. And we did have people say, you know, if they sat on the right side from where I was, you know, calling the show, if they sat on the right side of the stage, they got a completely different show than if they're on the left side, because we had the, the stage kind of split, you know, so they, it was completely different experience. And same with if they were closer to me at the calling desk versus, you know, a hundred feet away from me on the other side of the stage, staring at me. It was completely different, which is such a cool experience because most theater, you know, everyone sees it from the same angle. But I love yeah, we, stuff like that. That is so cool. We worry about sight lines and who can see what and what tickets are the best seats and everybody gets the same more or less experience. Damn. Okay. That's awesome. Twin, I'm going to have to look up and watch some videos on Birmingham Opera. Seriously. Yeah. But that, that made me think, so you learned English in two months. What? What's the primary language in Dubai? Is it English or did you... Wait. Did I say that I've learned in two months? No. Because when I got to Birmingham, I couldn't understand anything. <laughs> <So> <laughs> okay, good point. <laughs> first two weeks, first two weeks, I was just nodding. Yeah, yeah. That's my <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people thought I was stupid. Because <laughs> it was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. No, here the main language is English. So everything is in English. I mean, if you go to the supermarket, Arabs people talk to the to the to the to the crew, Cash- to the to the stuff of the yeah, yeah. cashiers and in English. So. Wow. What about in Saudi when you were there? Well, you were with well a lot of yeah, international people. Was, yeah, exactly. In a compound of course it's Actually, is American the first language, uh, but outside, I didn't have. I mean, yeah, sometimes I had some troubles, like struggling to find. Like I remember, I went to the to the uh, workshop when they where they fix the the wheels of the car. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't know how to say the angle. I don't know. Uh, I remember I went there and I said, "A guy is," and he said, "Huh, huh, yeah." That's it. <laughs> so that was, that was Hand gestures. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So, I mean, again, I'm Italian. You know, I have hands. <laughs> I was yeah, but well, when we were in... I guess, I mean... No, go ahead, please. When we were traveling around Europe in college, yeah, we... I don't speak any other language besides English, and, and Cindy knew some German and stuff, and so we... Yeah, we'd learn a couple numbers and we'd hold up fingers and we'd point and smile and nod and yeah, we made it. But I guess <laughs> it's easier for not 
English speakers to go abroad and find a way to survive because we used to go somewhere. I, I remember when I when I went to Spain, I I don't know Spanish. I mean, I can say something. But I remember when I went there the first time, I couldn't, couldn't say any word, but I could survive. I could go everywhere. And even in Germany, if you... If you go in some small places that don't speak English, but mm-hmm. somehow, I mean, we we used to have this kind of, you know, problem in translating. You find a way to, to solve it. Of course, working in this is another thing. <laughs> I mean, surviving, surviving and working is different. But I don't know. I guess it's easier for us because we are used to not be understood. understood. Yeah, whereas we, I can drive for 10 days and not leave America. Everybody speaks English and well, more or less, but like, I don't have, you guys drive for a couple hours and you're in a different country speaking a different language. We drive here and I could go down to Mexico, but even the top part of Mexico, they all speak English. So yeah, it's very different for us. That's why I love Europe. Go back. Have you, I guess you have, what was it like after Saudi, did you go back to Italy for a while? Like, have you, I guess my question is, how was, if you have, what was that transition like? You know, was it easy to go back to traditional Italian-ish opera or have you (coughs) not really had that experience yet? Okay, I, when I was in Saudi last year, I got a job in Florence, mm-hmm. an amazing place. I mean, Florence. Have you been to Florence? No, it's, we haven't been to actually. Italy. So I, I accept the job just because it was in Florence. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. no, 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 no. I'm kidding. No, it's actually because I was working with a friend of mine. It was amazing, amazing experience. Two months, beautiful, and yeah, it is different to go back and work in a country when it's it's easier for me. You know, I know mm-hmm. everything, how handle the people, how handle the unions, mm-hmm. everything. Here, if you say union, probably I just already have the police outside. <laughs> it's forbidden. Seriously, you got jail. Yeah. That's it. No, it's a completely but, different culture. You know, going back was easier for that situation for this kind of uh, matters but in the other hand working in an environment like in Saudi I was working in an environment with a lot of Americans and British people so a lot of scheduling organizing everything three months in advance in Italy it's not like that it's three hours in advance so (laughs) that's what I've heard yeah that is very difficult that is that is crazy for me I mean even living, just living in Germany and working in Italy. So like a weekend in Germany and then a month in, in Italy, that was already enough for me. Like, you know, coming from Germany and then back to crazy. But again, <laughs> in the other hand, I love to work with Italians because we know how to handle last minute situation. So... Huh. We are amazing in problem problem solving. Because like, you have to do amazing. it all the time. 
because we have a lot of problems. <laughs> so <laughs> learn how to solve the problems. It's not a joke. It's true. It's absolutely true. But it's somehow, I probably I also love this job because, I mean, 50% of the, our job is problem solving, right? I mean, true, okay. at least, not yeah. 50, but 30%. In Italy, 70%. But also, I really like this part of the job. So solving the problem right now. So when I, I am in a, in a show, I, I am so used to solve problems during rehearsals that in a show, I'm ready to take a problem. I mean, I'm, right. I'm ready to solve it. It's I don't not know, like it's, intimidating or scary. It is scary, actually. Okay. I have a lot of nightm- nightmares that you all have every night. Right? <laughs> it's not opening. Yeah, all the kind of nightmares I have the same. But on the <laughs> other hand, when I'm there, I don't know. I just, I feel that somehow as Italians, at, as unorganized at all, we can handle better some situations. That would make That's sense. Amazing. That that kind of makes my work is, with Italians, I kind of understand better now because so many times I'm like, why can't you just look at the schedule? Why can't you follow the schedule? And now it makes sense because they're not used to following the schedule. And then I have, have a schedule. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I, these are just numbers on a page. I don't know what they mean. But then also the, uh, the Americans I know that have gone over there to work shows, um, most of them I know that have been... Um, orchestra members that go over there they write me back and they're like this is so crazy it's everything's last minute and I don't have a schedule and I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow <laughs> and they're like you would go crazy over here because I'm so used to like like you said three months out you know like I know what my schedule is going to be so exactly and in Middle East it is even worse so if you are lucky to work in a super international environment like like me in Dubai Opera or mm-hmm. when I was working in a compound. So everything was kind of fixed. But as soon as you get out of that environment, mm-hmm. this is crazy. It's crazy even for, even for me that I'm Italian. <laughs> so it's it just they, they can change everything like that. No, mm-hmm. we don't want that. And the show is today. How can you change everything? It's even because in the other hand, they are not used to do events. I mean, they mm. used to, I mean, South, they had events 50 years ago and now they don't. And in the Emirates, they have like the last 10 years. Otherwise, they, they don't have like when you when you meet like an event manager that is Saudi. Where did you study? I mean, there are no school of event management. So probably mm-hmm. they studied abroad and they came back mm. to place and they got a job. So right. They don't have experience you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's very difficult to handle that kind of situation because they don't have idea experience so maybe the top manager says i don't like red just changing in in green and they don't understand that it's not possible in two minutes change red and green you know what i mean so yeah i can imagine repaint the whole set we do not have time for that like that's a couple an hour days depending on how big the set is but yeah, if you don't know, then then you don't know. Wow, that's so interesting. I definitely am gonna have to see more shows over there. 
we're well, we're supposed to go to Germany, and Germany is very like even more structured in a sense than than the United States. But I need to make a trip to Italy and just see stuff there because it's it's amazing to me too, though that that can happen, that the the lack of scheduling can happen and still create such amazing work, which makes me feel a little bit better because I get so stressed out about people not paying attention to a schedule or not doing a schedule, you know, but to know that I don't have to create the perfect schedule three months in advance, you know, like I couldn't make it more free flowing and that we could still create art that way. It might be a little bit stressful for me, but I guess it lets <laughs> the artists do do their part. I, I don't know. I, I guess in in big opera houses in Italy, we do have schedules. We have, especially because we have the unions, so you cannot work more than X hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in small theaters, you have people working because they love to work. Not, sorry, I said it wrong. <laughs> it's, they, they don't care. They just don't have rules. They work all day long. And it is another energy. And I've mm-hmm. seen the same artists working in those different environments and they can express themselves better when they are free to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. True. I, I guess know, that is, some... it's similar here. Like the big houses are much more organized and have the unions, but there's a lot of houses that I've worked at that, like you said, are smaller and don't have unions. And it's, um, I can't say people, well, people are more willing to like work the crazy hours because it's more of like a passion thing. Uh, yeah. I said, I absolutely said it wrongly. So No, no, no. I, I mean, I think I what you're saying is, is true. It works. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I think people understand the meaning of what you said, even if, you know, you don't think the words are right. But I think the words are right. You still love what you do in the big houses, but it's, you love both of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You've had an amazing career so far. I know. I'm sure you're going to continue having an amazing career, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can can start as a skipper. That's true. True. Now that you have your what is, what is it called a captain's license a boating no, license? No, driving license. Yeah, good. So that you could do that now if if theater is going to take a while to come back. <laughs> so yeah, just change. Italy just change. has a lot of water around it. You're pretty set over there. I don't know about the Middle yeah. East. About there, yeah. they don't have Dubai the most right amount of water. Dubai is, but you know, most of can the Middle East a, is. Can you take a boat to go see your wife? It's pretty far. I have to go all the peninsula, and there are pirates on Yemen. So, oh, true. Probably not. Yeah, Yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) (laughs) Might be the same amount of time to walk. (laughs) That's awesome. I also like. I mean, as bad as it is, but I love that you guys have figured out. You and your wife figured out how to like both have your careers and still you know, make your relationship work, which is encouraging for, for people, younger people who are always like, how do you do that? And I'm like, you just do it. I love my job. He loves his job. Sometimes those are not in the same location. <laughs> for you, lots of times they're not in the same location. Yeah. Well, this guy lives in another, like... Country, yeah. He, yeah, he's lived in another country as his wife. At least Matt is in the same country as me. Just Well, actually, three- when, I, when I got this job, I also got another job in Switzerland. 
was very close to my hometown and it was difficult to decide it which was the best at yeah. least this is closer to my wife the other one was closer to my family mm-hmm. so and then the money wins right. the money wins <laughs> yeah sorry because it was poetic but then <laughs> <laughs> but money wins What? yeah My me and my husband live in New York and my whole family, Stacy and everybody live in in Southern California. So yeah, it's a similar thing like I'm, you know, 3000 miles away and what job do I take closer to my sister and my family or with my husband, you know? And so uh, right I now often I just kind win, of, but sometimes yeah, her just, husband has to win. Sometimes my husband wins. I just bounce back and forth. Yeah, but it's it's not easy, but um I also haven't been offered a full-time job in California. That would be difficult. Yeah. I tried. I don't know. My wife used to say that as far as we are happy about our lives, mm-hmm. then we can be happy together, even yeah. if we are far away. Right. I mean, when I was when I was in Germany, I was I wasn't very happy about my situation. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was trying to get more international jobs, but I was still working in Italy. But I couldn't learn another language. So I couldn't get another job in Germany. So it wasn't it wasn't working very well, and uh-huh. that why that's that's when I understood that yes, being happy and I mean our job. If you are not happy, why would you do it? I mean, exactly. Not, I say that all the we time. Not paid enough to to get this to job be- as a normal job, right? Right. Yeah. To be miserable. I, mean, I don't know how it's in US, but I'm sure you're it, it's you know, it's not considered as a director, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we have to we have to you know, bring the show at the end every single day. And if you're not doing because you love it, there is no point it. to do it. Right? So yeah. that's the point. So when you can do it and you can do it well then you are happy. If you are in a good environment, then you are happy. And then, you know, when you go home at midnight at 2 a.m., then you can sleep well. Right? Mm-hmm. What's the point to <laughs> yes. be home all day and not sleep well? It's just, it's a, even it's, it's only six hours. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But when you love it, then you're like, okay, I'm okay with four hours of sleep or six hours of sleep because I love what Absolutely. I do and I want to get up and continue to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I usually feel with my summer job. Like, who cares if I didn't sleep last night? <laughs> This is awesome. I love it. Would you often yeah. didn't sleep? Well, it was only a couple of days I didn't sleep. But <laughs> but I was with, like, amazing people doing this amazing work, you know, and I was just so happy about it and so passionate about it that I, you know, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. I'm yeah. so glad other people feel this way. <laughs> Yay. So at the, bottom, at the bottom of my CV, there is a... Um, <clears throat> something that I was doing, that I've done for four years, which is a, a festival in my hometown, as an indie rock festival. It was <laughs> kind of, I would say it's an hobby because I never get paid for that. It was, I mean, I was one of the founders and we, we did so much work for doing that kind of festival. It was only a weekend festival every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one we got like, Five thousand, six thousand people per day. Wow! So yeah, we've done something, and we didn't get any money. But still, you know, 
when I summarize my life and my love for my job, that is the example. I was doing something to do something for my hometown without mm-hmm. getting paid, and it put a lot of effort, a lot of hours, a lot of blood, and <laughs> but that's it. In then when you do that, when you see that people, those people smiling, then you say, "Yeah, I've done something." I mm-hmm. really don't. I think artists, especially, are such. We believe in communities and we believe in helping each other so much that we like doing community things, you know, like we like making people happy. It makes us happy. Yeah. This is yeah. The, the WOW Music Festival that you do? Yeah. That's so cool. And it yeah. sounds so different than, you know, your everyday job. Yeah. Indie yeah, rock isn't quite the same as opera. <laughs> I, I had to learn a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, in Italy, as I told you, opera and theater are very old. So we don't have any English word for technical thing. Even mm. the light beam are different words. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to learn everything coming from rock tour, which is everything Everything is in English. So I had mm. to learn a lot of different words to understand what they, are, they were talking about. And yeah. because I was one of the founders... I also had to understand everything from the other sides. So like marketing, social media, budgeting, uh-huh. all this stuff that was completely, you know, another word for me. And it was, it was helpful to understand what other people are doing. Even here in Dubai Opera, we do have a marketing um, office. It's actually um, one of the, the most the, the most important office in this kind of environment, you know, everything mm-hmm. is marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the main thing. And and it's very interesting. It's been very interesting to me to understand all of the other departments of a of a festival. Mm-hmm. And some rock sometimes is also yeah. I love Puccini, but sometimes a bit of, you know, I think I think you have to love Puccini if if you're from where you're from. It's just like part of the requirement. <laughs> it's born in you. <laughs> Don't tell me. I I am so sad when I when I see my I mean Italians they don't know anything about operas. This is oh, this is so it's so wrong. How can you not understand? How can you not go to an opera house where, yeah. where everything has been composed i mean yes all the operas oh yeah them. okay not Are... wagner i don't like wagner <laughs> <laughs> he's but all very the, different I mean, it, all the original stuff it started there you know like wagner was still much later it's yeah italian is, they is don't where go to theater why because opera is boring no it's mm. not have you ever no, been it's... to opera no how can you say it is boring <laughs> how can you say that i mean yeah I don't know. I like food. I don't know. Chinese food, if I've never tried Chinese food, no, I can't. So go to opera, get bored, and then you can come out and say, it was Get bored. bored. <laughs> Still, I right. tried not to cry. I have right. sat through Even some operas that found bored. Yeah. But there's subtitles or super titles. You don't yeah, always have to so understand amazing. the words. Can <sighs> you understand it? Opera houses in Italy have Italian subtitles? Really? 
Yeah, because people says we don't understand what they are saying. But okay. when we don't um... sometimes even if I know that the, 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 the plot and everything, it's kind of what did you say? Yeah. But I mean, just read the plot. You can get it, right? I mean Right. Amor the... is amor. Come on. It's yeah, <laughs> even even I understand that word. But Cindy, we've done American, we've done English super titles on the Long Beach Opera shows, which were sung in English. Yeah, that's true. Because people can't don't want to listen it. and they, they can't understand. Yeah, but you lose everything on stage. You do. because you're, you're watching. watching. You're looking up. No, sometimes there are lighting changes, you know, you lose it. But Italians should be born with this. They should just know opera. I agree. Exactly. No, we know pizza, mandolino, and spaghetti. Not even mandolino anymore. It's pizza and spaghetti. That's pizza it. and spaghetti, yeah. <laughs> I'll go with that. I like those. <laughs> well, I think we... <laughs> you're like, I say this, but I still love it. We we hit our hour mark, but it was so much fun talking to you. I don't think I I've laughed this much in a podcast in a while. I know, it's exactly. So awesome. Once everybody opens up again and you you actually do some shows in Dubai, we're going to have to bring you back on and see what the differences are uh, in Dubai now. So we can have a whole How other... How many new languages you've uh, learned? <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, well, we don't know, actually. They're talking to open again in October. Oh. They, open, they opened up the cinema yesterday or today. Really? Wow. Yeah, but it's, I mean, cinema, you can, I mean, you know, right? You can do one, how many show you want. So oh, yeah. true. And you could basically don't get out. 50% of the audience. It's okay. Just open another show and you will get other people then. You mm-hmm. don't have extra expensive, I think. I, I don't know. But for us, it's, yeah, I mean, bringing an opera from at least Europe, because it's the closest one, bringing a show from Europe, and then how many shows do you have to do to, you know, if you can open only the 40% of the, the, the stores. Of the house, or, yeah. Yeah, so how can you handle it? Well, right now, there are opera companies I'm working with. Nobody's even thinking about producing it until spring of next year. Whoa. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, you guys, hopefully we'll both open soon. But if you open well, up before us, you have to let us know how it goes. Yeah. Sure. A lot of people in a small space. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's getting late where you yeah, are, so you. we'll go. But thank you, thank you, thank you. This was so awesome and, and so yeah. wonderful to learn about other countries and what they do. So we'll keep in touch. We'll let you know. Uh, sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstalktheater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of incomtech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.